Hello and welcome to the Muni Oral History Project, where we explore the stories and rich history of the Springfield Municipal Opera over the past 60 years. Stories from the people who have built, experienced, and performed what we'd like to refer to as Muni Magic. Sit back and relax and listen to these tales of Broadway under the stars. Well, I am so excited tonight to have Lori Barnes here. How are you doing tonight, Lori? I'm fine, thank you. You? I am doing great. So Lori is one of our most experienced directors. She, if she hasn't directed the most shows for us, she's definitely up there with, of all the directors Muni has had, but she's also been a performer too. So we'll start there and then go to her role as a director. So Lori, what was your first Muni experience? Like even as an audience member or a performer? Well, my first Muni experience was the first time I'd ever been to Muni. Um, so they were both the same. In 1975, I just finished my first year of teaching and I had done a show at Theater Center and everybody said, oh, you've got to come audition for Muni. Muni is the most fun ever. You've got to come to Muni. And I, they built it up so much. And I, I went to the auditions and it was overwhelming. Back then we did it at what was a Holiday Inn Ballroom. And they had the stage and all these people watching and you know, hundreds of people trying out. And it was, it was pretty intimidating. Okay, so what was your first show you got cast in then? Uh, I was in two that year. I was in um, uh, Guys and Dolls and Fiddler on the Roof. Hmm. So were you just chorus or? I was chorus in Guys and Dolls and I was Grandma Zeidel in Fiddler on the Roof. I remember I had to learn to play the trombone to be in the mission band. And uh, I, I had my father's old trombone and I kept practicing and they finally told me to stop because it was start starting to sound too much in tune. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So they actually had everybody playing themselves yeah. in the mission band. It wasn't like you pl pretending and the pit was playing it. No, we were playing. I think the pit was filling in some of the stuff, but it was supposed to sound out of tune. So yeah, it was. Okay, so why don't you tell me about your first audition? Of course, those were the old cattle call days. Yeah, every show in town. Yeah, well, they had uh, in the ballroom. They had a platform set up a little bit higher, and then all the staffs were sitting at a long row of tables in front. And behind them, you had hundred other people waiting for their auditions or just watching. And they used to say mini auditions were the best show in town because you could hear an awful lot of good people sing and, and a few clinkers too. <laughs> but um, I, you know, I, I managed to get up there and sing and did well enough to get into a show. So that was the start. Okay. So what was your first like, um, like leader supporting role? Oh, well, Grandma's Idol was sort of like a, yeah. a, a supporting role, and I was one of the four women in Bye Bye Birdie a couple of years, or was that the next year or something, that, yeah. that sang stuff. I don't know. I mostly was doing chorus and small roles, uh, small roles then. I think okay. I, you know, I did a few leads, like I was... Um, Widow Corny and Oliver and, you know, some things like that. Yeah. 
So um, what are some of your favorite memories and roles from back in those days? We don't want to go to direct your director days yet, but. Well, um, I had just moved to Springfield and I, I feel like I had met a group of friends then. I didn't really know anyone in town, people that I, you know, am still friends with today. And um, I met my future husband then and uh, a, a lot of good friends. And it, it really is like a Muni family. Um, everybody supports everybody else. I mean, you know, there's some backbiting behind thing, but mm -hmm. then there always is. But really everybody wants everybody to do a good job and they support everybody at Muni. And they had lots of parties, lots of fun parties back then. And it just made me feel part of the family. So I didn't feel quite as alone moving to a new town. So let's go to your director days. So fast forward, what was the first show you directed? Well, I had done, um, I had done vocal direction for Teddy and Alice and I was assistant director for um, uh, The King and I, but the first one I directed as the overall director was The Wizard of Oz. And at the time, I didn't realize how difficult it was to do a flying show. I mean, when I signed up for it, that um, you have to get up all the scaffolding, which makes it difficult to move sets on and off, and you have to have room for them, and you have to coordinate the flying with the music. And um, there was a, a lot of special effects with that show, that, so I learned a lot. <laughs> and that was the 96 Wizard of Oz, which was the first time we did the show, right? Correct. Yeah. So what do you remember best about that show? Um, I remember that one of the munchkins was scared to death. Uh, well, um, was scared to death of the Wicked Witch. And even in rehearsal, he wouldn't go anywhere near her. And he didn't want to be in that. He'd keep running away from the munchkin scene. And I remember I went over to try to talk to him. And I said, you know, she's really nice. He says, I know she's a nice lady and I know she's a kindergarten teacher and I know she has kids of her own and she likes kids. I just don't want to be near her. So I said, well, would you just rather be in the poppy scene and not in the witch scene at all? And he said, yes. So, so uh, he did. That was Alex, Alex Fonders. Um, back. Oh, Lorianne's son. Lorianne's son, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, then what was the next show you directed? Um, let's see. I did Wizard of Oz and then um, Annie. Oh, okay. And that, and that was that was the Paul Presney Annie where he was? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And again, there the girls that were orphans, a lot of them like, um, like, um, have are still out at Muni now. Uh, Natalie Randall was one of them. I mean, she's out in New York now. And um, oh, um, was it Anna? Yeah, Anna was bu and, and Bussing was in it. And Sarah. And Sarah. Sarah Gatner. Yeah, Gatner. she was in it. And a, a lot of other people that are still out there performing. Yeah, and so do you remember anything great about that one? Well, the kids were amazing, mm -hmm. and um, they did a really 
they tap danced, uh, did a really good tap dance together. Anna, Anna Bussian says she still remembers the audition for the dancing for Annie, and she can still do it from back there, that she remembers every step from it. And uh, um, it was, it was, it was uh, a, a lot of fun to do. I liked working with kids and adults together because I feel like they each have something to give. The kids give energy and excitement. The adults have, you know, more experience and professionalism and they each learn from the other and pick something up. What's your favorite show you've directed out there? I'm sure that's a hard question. Yeah, there's several. I really liked Ragtime. Yeah. Aida, Jesus Christ Superstar was definitely one. I like. Jekyll and Hyde. Um, I'd say those are my favorites. Like, so of course your brother is like a st uh, Dave Barnes always plays for all of your shows. Has he done that since Wizard of Oz played every um, single one of your shows? No, he was, he was, he was, uh, he didn't get involved till a, a couple years later. Um, but once I worked with him, I, I, you know, I, I love working with Dave because I know that no matter what goes wrong, he can fix it. If somebody skips two verses or, or you know, five measures over, he'll figure it out and, and go with them. Mm -hmm. And uh, that just gives me a lot of confidence, you know, that he can handle whatever goes wrong. Yeah. And I also think he's a really good accompanist. I mean, he, mm -hmm. he doesn't try to be flashy and overpower the singers. He supports them mm -hmm. and makes them sound good. Yeah. So, so another staff member that you usually use is like Steve Rotello. When did you like, when did Steve start working with you? Um, I think the, maybe the first one was Ragtime. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think. And then, of course, Dennis, my ex-husband, um, worked with me for a lot of that. I mean, he would a lot of times be a producer and the fixer guy for whatever went yeah. on. Yeah, so, well, why don't we talk about Ragtime? Because that's such a deep and powerful show. Yeah. It, it was, and I learned a lot from that. We had a, a really good cast, mm -hmm. and it was... It was, you know, very relevant to, to today's times. I mean, we still have some of the same problems, yeah. unfortunately. And uh, there's still racism and, and prejudice. And, you know, you'd think it would have been dealt with by now. But So who um, usually designs your sets? Because I know you always have, like, beautiful sets. Well, lately my daughter-in-law... Michelle Lilly has been designing them and she had she was designing sets for Matilda too and she's a professional set designer um, up in the Chicago area and I just really love her sets because they're versatile they're beautiful there's a lot of details they provide levels and places um, so it makes it easier to block um, the way she designs them and, and she always we always work together and talk about what I you know what I want to do and what kind of visions I have and then she comes up with some ideas that are even better and I say great <laughs> you know um, one of the phrases that we commonly use in the theater world is the phrase the show must go on and that can mean just about anything you want it to but um the way I'm phrasing we're um using it for this audio series is like just anything that goes wrong like 
flubbed line. Well, flubbed lines. I mean, choreography mishaps. I mean, somebody skipping a verse. I mean, um, orchestra and um, vocalists get off from each other. I mean, set falls down. Anything? Is there anything that comes to mind? Well, I remember that one of the first major catastrophes was when I was doing Annie, and there was a tornado and lightning storm that hit the light box. And when we got out there, we found that none of the lights would work, the dimmers wouldn't work, the, the console wouldn't work. And we got some lights hooked up enough to light the stage, but we had to do them all manually, you know, lights up, this light up, this light down, and try to work it out real quickly instead of having it programmed like we usually have, where you just press the go button and it goes to the next light cue. And we didn't have much time to do that, so that was kind of... Uh, Oh, stressful, but show went on. <laughs> but um, is there like anything else that just went wrong that you were like, oh. well, there are always little things that go. Oh, I know when we did um, when we did ragtime and we had the bridge, and the bridge was on a lift and it was made um, uh, out of old trussels and things like that that would go across there and we had that that lift that had a jackknife thing that would go up and push down to lift it up and then bring it down again and it sat on top of the lift and for some reason one night it started to fall and the chorus members were underneath it and it was a big heavy stone lift um, but Matt Franklin was up on the lift singing and he grabbed it and held it there and um, with a couple of the cast members underneath helping hold it up so that nobody got crushed. But that was pretty scary. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, so one of the phrases that we use a lot is meaning magic. And of course that can mean special effects just, I mean, I, the one I use all the time is that first time Peter Pan flew out into the nursery. Yeah. Um, or it can just mean being transported to far off places that you probably would never go. I mean, just being like totally absorbed into a show. What does meaning magic mean to you? It's the magic that brings it together. Like two, three weeks before the opening and you think, oh, this is never going to work out. This is horrible. It's a catastrophe. It's never going to be right. And then somehow it comes together. All of a sudden, everybody concentrates and everybody pays attention to what's going on and, you know, finally gets their lines down. And uh, it's always amazing to watch that happen because it's so scary. I always think someday it won't. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, and then, of course, this obviously is very special to you because the concept of Muni family, because literally Muni has been a family affair to you with your brother Dave playing your shows and then all of your kids. And um, so what does Muni family mean to you? Well, it, it has been a family activity. We've all worked together. All four of my kids have have grown up at Muni. I mean, when they were little, we'd sit there on the blankets on the side and um, they'd stand up on the blanket in the grass and, you know, dance around with the people on stage. And when we were working, they'd be rolling down the hill in the grass and things like mm -hmm. that. So they loved going out there. And um, they, they met a lot of friends because I think theater people are 
are special people and that they're people with imagination and empathy and intelligence. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they feel like they don't fit in with maybe their classmates and stuff like that. But at Muni, you can mm -hmm. find people who have a lot in common with you. And so it does give you a family, a sense of belonging. Yeah, yeah. So that kind of segues into to who are some of the special people you've worked with of course, well, over the years? There's so many of them. I, uh, Tom Shrewsbury was the director when I was assistant director of The King and I, and he taught me a lot about directing. And Steve Kaplan did, and Marge Birchtold, and oh, I always thought Lee Steiner was an absolutely amazing director. I love watching her shows. And um, then I've had people that have, have helped like, um, uh, oh, backstage there. I, I always think that the people who build the sets, I mean, they work so hard and they don't get the appreciation. I mean, people don't clap for them so much up on there, but the ones that have been working now, um, Harvey Edwards and, um, and Kevin and Kevin, uh, there are all those Kevins that, that work back there. And Tom, they, they do an amazing job of putting together a set and it's so fleeting. Um, you know, you, you work and work on this and, and it's up for a few weeks and then you just tear it all apart and start over again. Yeah. We just recently lost Gene Rubley who just, was a mainstay of Muni. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he always would tell you what he thought, even if you didn't want to hear it. And I know when, when I directed Annie, he came up to me and he says, I hate the show, Annie, but this was l uh, less objectionable than most. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, he would, he yeah. would, uh, do, do you have any like just funny Uncle Gene story? Because everybody called him Uncle Gene, of course. Yeah. Well, I just remember when they did City of Angels and he played the guy in the Iron Lung and he took off his toupee for the first time and everybody gave him such a hard time about it because he always wore that toupee. And then there he was with his bald head sticking out of the Iron Lung talking and uh, that was pretty funny. And then he would always have uh, Christmas parties and he had a, a whole collection of nutcrackers. I mean... There must have been hundreds of nutcrackers of various sizes, life size to teeny tiny, all over the house. <laughs> he he was uh, he was a pretty great guy. Yeah. So, um, so what other roles have you done at Muni? I know you said well, of course you've acted, you've directed. You said you vocal directed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'm really qualified to be doing doing that. But back then, I, I was more, I had directed a choir for a couple of years at a school I taught at, and so I had been more in practice. But my brother Dave tells me I can't direct, that I am not good at all at moving my arm and keeping in rhythm. So he says I should stay away from it. Yeah. And of course, you also, I've found out, is a brilliant lighting designer, too. Oh, I love lighting. I was just what, fascinated by the color. When, when did you get involved with that? Because, of course, that's a beast on all on its own. Well, um, 
I was directing the musicals at Glenwood High School. And for a while, before they built the new school with its auditorium, we did our musicals at, at the Hoagland. It was, wasn't the Hoagland back then. But they had the red, blue, and uh, gold lights. And you could pull them up with levers up and down and mix them to make different shades. And I was fascinated with those. And I would use them to try to make in-between colors. Like, you know, you add the red and blue and you get purple or, or depending on how much red, you can get a more magenta and you could get, um, you add the green and you can get green and red will make yellow. And I, and being a physics teacher, I was fascinated by the, the addition, um, of, of lights to each other because it's so different than paints. With paints, every time you add another color, it gets darker. But with lights, every time you add another color, it gets brighter um, because you have color by uh, addition instead of subtraction. And so I was playing with it there. And then when I was going to do the um, South Pacific, I really wanted to make the sky and the sea almost like a character because I thought it influenced so much of what was going on there that everybody was in a sort of alien environment. And I wanted to be able to make the, the sky change and be angry at sometimes in blue and, and pink and sunset at others. And so um, I convinced them to get some psych lights, which they had never done before. And I know some people would say, oh, that's just a waste. Why do you want to do that? But it made such a big difference. You could change the sets and make them look entirely different just by changing the lights. And you can, you can affect the audience's perception of what they're seeing by what you highlight and what you don't highlight. I always think it's like the camera in a movie that you focus, use the lights to focus what you want to be focused on. And so, yeah, I really enjoyed that. <laughs> Okay, so wh why don't you talk about South Pacific? Because of course that is probably one of my favorite shows. I didn't. That was before my time, so I didn't see that production. But um, like, what were what are your memories of doing that one? Well, um, I, I, the lights were important, and they and they came out. I also had some. Um, they they were very effective. I think I had some clouds with the um, rotating things so it looked like the clouds were churning when things would get really dramatic and stuff like that so it would kind of echo what sentiments were being portrayed on stage and we had to figure out how to have the shower on stage and um, and get what it was a Liz, Liz Donathan was uh, the lead in that and um, she was she was a, a wonderful uh, wonderful actress and singer and uh, Oh, I really enjoyed it. Talk about Jekyll and Hyde. And of course, that that's a weird show for Muni because it's more of a little, it's more of a smaller, intimate space show. So how did you transform it to get it for the Muni stage? Well, one of the things was Michelle Lilly's set design was fantastic, mm -hmm. that we had the dark brick walls and we had spaces with stairs going up and lights coming you know from doorways and things like that and it was uh mostly just a unit set although we'd bring on pieces occasionally but you could light them and change again the way that they looked for different environments and we we used that a lot when you were changing from the jekyll to the hyde character and back but one of the things i remember is the weather was so awful that september 
it got really, it started out really hot, the first things, like it was 100 degrees, and then all of a sudden it got cold, and it was like sleeting and snowing, and I remember sitting out in the audience in my winter coat and gloves and scarf and hat and still freezing when there, so that was kind of disappointing because I thought it was a very good show, and we didn't get the audiences that we would have liked to have, and part of it was because it was in September and everybody's back to school, and part of it was because the weather was so awful. Yeah. Um, was that like a bucket list show that you had always wanted to direct? Yeah, I, I like dramatic shows. Yeah. <laughs> and I like, I like ones where characters undergo transformations, where they change, learn something, grow. Sometimes it goes the other way. I mean, in that case, you know, he, he kind of went downhill instead of uphill, although he tried at the end. But I'm, I'm fascinated with how people change due to circumstances and how they deal with trauma, trouble. You know, some people can, can overcome it. Some people get drowned out by it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, did we miss any shows that you've directed? Well, yeah. Oh, I, Aida. Aida. I remember that one. Yeah. I love that show. And again, the the lighting and uh, the tomb, I always remember the closing scene with Aida and the, and uh, Ramadit, Ramadis, yeah, yeah, in the tomb, and the lights slowly dimmed out as they ran out of breath, you know, as they died in there, and it was, it was, to me, it was very moving. Yeah. Uh, but I always feel like I learn something from every show I do. Sometimes there's a show that I don't really want to do, and I won't name any names, but I do it for some reason or another. But I always find something in it that I really like and care about and that moves me. And I always feel like with theater, if there's something that makes you change your mind about something or look at something in a different way or think about something you never thought about before, then it's a success. Yeah. Okay. So, um, back to like, I guess I should have asked this earlier, but of the shows you've been in on the Muni stage, what would you say was your favorite? Or do you? Well, I really liked Fiddler on the Roof the first time I did it. I've done it so many times since then that I'm not real anxious to do it again, but... Um, uh, you mean at Muni or at Glenwood or combination of all of the above? Number of places. Yeah. I haven't done it, but um, I really liked the first one that we did. And um, I like being part of the chorus and singing. We had a really good chorus mm -hmm. and it's, it's great to sing with a good chorus. And well, that's everybody a great, does their parts. Yeah. That's a great show to be in the chorus in because you're in tons of stuff. So Right, right. It is a good chorus show. And there's beautiful music to sing together and moving yeah. music. And uh, that, that makes a, a big difference. Yeah. And I remember like with Ragtime, one of the things that I really, really liked was when they were playing... Um, uh, oh... The, the song where uh, 
he's playing the piano and then the chorus comes on and starts singing about um, when did the music change and about how everything's changing and how they're having a hard time dealing with the changes. And some people could deal with them and some of them could not move on into the more modern times. And other people had the choice taken away from them so they weren't allowed to do it. And that was, that was one of my favorites. Yeah, well, before we go, I, one last question that the deep one is, what makes Muni special? Well, it's not just one thing. It's the thing that, one thing I love about theater is it's a cooperative effort, not only with everyone involved in a show, but everyone in the theater community. It's not like sports where you pit one group against another. If, you know, Glenwood, I directed shows at Glenwood and uh, Glenwood always had kind of a rivalry with SHG in sports. But if I went to them and said, could I borrow this for a show I'm doing, they would immediately give me any help that I needed and vice versa. And every group in town would do that. If you go to the Muni people and ask for help, they'll give it to you. They'll turn out. If a tornado blows your set down a couple of days before the opening, people will be out there with their drills and their hammers and putting it back together for you. And the cooperative endeavor to make something together is what makes it so special and the audience too because theater is an interactive element unlike the tv or movies there's a synergy between the audience and the actors where if the actors engage the audience and the audience gets swept in that gives energy back to the actors and it's different every night with every audience and i think that's magic too yeah so well, thank you so much, Lori, for spending some time with me. And you have a great rest of your evening. Oh, thank you very much. I could talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Muni Oral History Project. This is an ongoing effort to capture the memories and stories of the Springfield Municipal Opera. If you have pictures, videos, or stories you'd like to contribute to this effort, please email history at themuni.org. Your hosts have been Jacob Potty and Craig McFarland. Production assistance by Vanessa Ferguson and Jeremy Geckner. Special thank you to the Muni Board of Managers and the Muni Board of Trustees for their support in this effort. And thank you to all the Muni family who continue to help us create magic every summer.